Welcome to the High at Nine News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness, and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change with your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. Oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. Hope everyone had an amazing, amazing weekend. Today, it's Monday, March 27th, and today is National Scribble Day, which makes a lot of sense because teachers don't teach kids how to read and write anymore. National Spanish Paella Day, so we know what Gretchen's making for dinner. It's International Medical Science Liaison Day, and that's right. National Joe Day. I'm sure they're not referring to Joe Biden. I'm sure they're referring to like Cup of Joe or something like that. Anything but Biden, in my opinion. But thank you all for joining us and getting high at nine with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. You can use that little QR code right there in the top hand corner of your screen to find out where we live on the Internet. And we're live every Monday through Friday on YouTube and audio only on Clubhouse. If you are joining us in Clubhouse, you can also participate in the show by raising your hand if you have a brief comment on the story most recently presented. But today we have the dope dad coming up first. That's right. It's Rico Lameet. Rico Lameet had to stay at home this weekend and pack his things up and pack some boxes you know normally if you're in cannabis packing boxes means something different but for today for rico lamite packing boxes has a whole new slang that's right it's the dope dad himself rico lamite uh thank you jason and um boxes were packed lots of them and um i hope i never have to move again but um thank you regardless it's scribble day every single day for me so just is what it is gotta wash down these walls my story today is about a looming threat we've seen for years now. Big tobacco. I mean, think about big tobacco. You, you can't think about anybody in America bigger than Altria. Altria is the LeBron James of capitalism. After nearly 200 years in the game, the corporation formerly known as Philip Morris is still ranked 79th globally by market cap. Since 1847, pumping out nothing but bangers. Altria's played an integral part in developing some of the biggest brands we know in America. It's all, it's Hall of Fame worthy, greatest hits portfolio. It's got names like Marlboro, Parliament, Virginia Slims. Emphysema, lung cancer, picking up young, lesser-known talent 
early has been key to Altria's success. This, be, this is why it should be no surprise to anybody that the big underdeveloped prospect Altria's got its eyes on next is cannabis. In 2020, cigarette sales spiked for the first time in 20 years thanks to... Sorry, my computer's all fucked up now. Can't even see nothing. Can you guys hear me? Can you guys hear me? We hear you just fine. Keep on rolling. I'm going dark. All right, so this uh, this why it's no surprise. It should be no surprise to know anyone that the big underdeveloped prospect Altria's got eyes for next is cannabis. In this 2020, cigarette sales spiked for the first time in 20 years thanks to the pandemic, bringing in $203.7 billion dollars. Slight increase from uh, $202.9 billion 2019, but the win was short-lived. FTC reported this January sales dropped in 2022 to $190.2 billion, down 73% since 1981 peak of $636.5 billion. $636. Billion. That's $2.1 trillion today in Joe Biden's hyperinflated America. When you're good at capitalism for so long, you learn to listen to the market and shift accordingly. Less people smoking, so the natural shift is vapes, right? They did that. They bought Juul in 2018 for $13 billion. Didn't end up so well for them, though. It's worth about 5% of what they bought it for now. All good. They're going to get it back. What's the next trend? Wokeness? Jason Beck? Kind of. Altria is saying that the focus going forward is healthier products. Relatively speaking, CEO Billy Gifford said Altria learned a lot losing almost $13 billion on Juul. This is what he said to the Wall Street Journal last week. Previously, we were chasing the market. You're, con- you're constantly watching what the consumer is telling you in the marketplace, but none of them were satisfying the consumer enough to ultimately meet all their needs and desires. How do you meet them in that moment and fix their unmet needs and desires? coming from big tobacco well apparently there ain't gonna be much smoke in whatever room said unmet needs and desires are getting fixed because for the first time in company history altria set volume and revenue goals for a transition to smoke-free products aiming to increase smoke-free sales volume at least 35 percent through 2028 and double net revenue from uh, smoke-free products to five billion dollars including two billion from new reduced risk products. According to the Wall Street Journal, that includes smokeless caffeine pouches and cannabis products. There you have it, folks. According to Altria's CEO, five years from now, folks are going to be walking around with lips full of Altria ground coffee beans and puffing on Marl Booth green live rosin disposable vapes. Altria's American capitalism story reminds me of one of my favorite movie quotes from Robert Duvall, playing Officer Bob Hodges in colors. Here's two bulls standing at the top of a mountain. The younger one says to the older one, hey, Pop, let's say we run down there and fuck one of them cows. The older one says, no, son, let's walk down and fuck them all. The slow walk downhill began Back in 2019, with the Kronos Group, the Kronos Group being first to bend over, if they put half that two billion dollars planned into cannabis, it'll be about half Curaleaf's entire market cap as currently the world's biggest cannabis company. Also, LeBron James' net worth—very interesting. 
I'm Regal to meet Dopest Dad on the Street for High 9 News. And I'd like to hear about you guys, uh, from you guys. Are you ready for the big tobacco takeover? Because it looks like they're going to start doing it. Ain't scared. Big Tobacco uh, was one of the main investors in Flocana. They put in $125 million bucks, and they have zero to show for it. Yep. Also, I just want to say that when I came out of the cannabis closet, I came in in a full-time role in a capacity in 2013 with a company that was owned by tobacco. Mm. Just saying. I mean, I, I just find it extremely ironic, and I threw it in the chat, that the fact that Altria is focusing on healthier product healthier yes <laughs> I, I and and so so i guess the caffeine pouch that you're talking about that you put under your lip is rico is would be a healthier yeah you're gonna be like you're gonna be like uh, have a lipper of um this is just caffeine. basically i mean i to me it just sounds like they're just putting chew together with caffeine infused you know what i'm saying in that way bro have you seen those candidates jay i think it's actually made for for baseball players so they can finish the ninth inning. Yo, have you seen those Canada dips? I had Canada dips back in. Yeah, uh, yeah I like those. They're like, uh, they're pretty good. It's like organic coconut fiber infused with cannabinoids and sometimes terpenes. It's like snus. Yeah. You, yeah. You feel kind of cool. You got a little thing in your lip. You can like, you know, walk around. You feel, feel, cool, cool. You feel cool when you have things in your lip, huh? You feel like a cowboy, bro. <laughs> what about a fat lip? Yeah. Or a then, hole in your lip. Sandwich. Yes, nice big hole in your lip. I find it sexy, sexy for kissing. I don't need but, lip injection, dude. Look go ahead, Christian. I think it's sweet that we think $120 million means anything to these right. people. I right. mean, when we're like, oh, they At lost all. money. Oh, At they all. don't give a, this is, they don't care. Drop they are going to, they could buy this entire industry Period. today with like their petty cash. That, that's, that's, yeah, that's what I'm saying. They're tiptoeing into this shit with half of Cure Leafs. So the fact cap. that they're getting into this, they're coming. They've been here. They're not going anywhere. Deal with it. I agree with that part. Yeah, I don't and, think they're any threat, really. You know, we're going to see the same thing we see with everything else. Like McDonald's has billions of dollars in stores worldwide, but my bro Jose makes Peruvian food according to his mom's old recipes, and he's crushing it, dude. He's right. buying a food truck. He's expanding to a second restaurant. Because there's, mm -hmm. there's always lanes, and there'll always be a lane for quality and. The number one thing I think that we all need to do is to continue to focus on doing our best. And as somebody who's a longtime freak, like I, I was ahead of the curve on just about everything. And now I got to get like into more weirder shit because everything that I thought was cool that people thought was revolutionary is like normal now. Like psychedelics are normal and like, right, et cetera, well, et cetera, cannabis, et cetera, et cetera, right? But here's I the thing. When we were all sitting around smoking weed or we were all at Burning Man or a festival, we yeah. all were doing the same thing. We'd be all high, loving the shit out of each other, loving nature and saying, I wish everybody could be here. I wish everybody in the world would get on this trip. And and that's what's happening. And we have to remember that maybe not you guys because you're cool, but I'm a dork and I came into every scene uncool, just trying my best. And so we have to we have to realize as these people come into the scene, it's not going to look like us coming in. It's going to look weird. But we need them in because until we get rid of the us versus them dichotomy, all we're going to have is endless war, you guys. Mm-hmm. Endless war. Well, gotta be ready for. You gotta be ready for the change. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I just think it's interesting with them stepping up um, with that six point seven billion dropped uh, by. Oh man, the internet! He yeah. got shot up. He got his house shot up by the internet gang wars. I got all my bars. Yeah. <laughs> so, what do you think is interesting? 
I just think, I think it's interesting with uh, uh, Arena Pharmaceuticals being bought by Pfizer at the end of last year, $6.7 And now you have um, Altria just publicly saying that, oh, yeah, we're getting healthier. We're going with cannabis. And they're going to drop half, half of that $2 billion into cannabis and just not even think about it. They'll write it off as a loss. Right. No problem. Well, no, I mean, they're going to have to be careful with how they write that off as a loss. But I mean, they just lost 13 billion on Jewel and they don't give a shit. I know. But it's like a company <laughs> like that can afford, company. company like that can afford 280E. And so. Right. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I think it's like people need to be aware. I'm not I'm not trying to say like anybody should be scared or anything like that. But you got to yeah. be aware of the big picture yep. that these motherfuckers are here and um, they need us. Um, but the, the more that we bicker and fight with each other, like the easier it is for them to just take our business. Yes. Nice. We must all hang together or we will surely hang separately. Ben Franklin. This is true. Yeah. <clears throat> Very true. When people are getting, getting hung out to dry, isn't it better to, to get hung out separately so you can dry faster? Just like being hung. It depends on, it depends on what you're hanging there, Jason. I bet. I bet. We got to go to a commercial. We're going to be right back. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> Do it. How's it going guys? Saman Razani coming to you from Green Street here with Jason Beck smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio only version of our podcast available on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio and Spotify? Tune in now and check it out. Oh yeah. There we go. He is the industry's longest continuously operating retailer, self-proclaimed highest Republican in the game, well-known for smoking the best weed in the world. And I'm sure none of, you know, uh, none of that TMZ action that I saw on Friday was, uh, was fake when I saw him standing next to a couple of Kenyans on the podium, winning medals, doing it for the game. Up next, you know who it is. It is Jason Beck. Yeah. I, I, even, I even beat Diplo who ran it in four hours and 20 seconds <laughs> and was on acid the whole time he was running. So shout out to Diplo. Yeah, that is a major, yeah. major accomplishment just for the fact that you did that. Good job. Good job, guys. But my story, you know, is probably going to trigger somebody. So I'm going to give you a trigger warning. But that's right. It goes to Florida. Hope you guys are all ready because a Florida babysitter is accused of putting lit marijuana cigarettes in a one year old's mouth. Deputies say, oh, boy, a Florida teenager was arrested on a felony child abuse charge on Friday after she alleged recorded herself putting a marijuana cigarette in a child's mouth, according to the deputies. The uh, Pinellas County Sheriff's Office said the teenager of Largo was babysitting a one-year-old belonging to a 16-year-old friend of hers. Deputies said when they responded to a report of child abuse at the teen's home in unincorporated Largo, the 17-year-old admitted to smoking marijuana around the child but denied giving the child the cigarette. However, according to the sheriff's office, detectives were able to find a video of the babysitter recorded showing her putting the cigarette in the one-year-old's mouth. The victim then inhales while the lit marijuana cigarette is in their mouth and the embers begin to glow brighter and brighter. 
A release from the sheriff's office states the teen then takes the marijuana cigarette out of the mouth of the one-year-old victim and places it into her mouth and inhales, causing the embers to glow even brighter. Detectives said when they interviewed the teenager again on Friday, she admitted to her actions but did not explain why she put the marijuana cigarette in the child's mouth. The suspect was then taken to the Penalis Juvenile Assessment Center after being arrested. Due to her age, uh, Nextstar's WFLA will not be sharing her name because she is a minor. Oh, man, you know, I think this is just a tragic case. And, man... You know, shouldn't be recording that type of shit on social media, kids. But this is Jason Beck. I'm going to digress and see what y'all have to say, because I just see all kinds of wrong things with the story. And this is Jason Beck reporting for the high at nine news hour. What do y'all think? You shouldn't put it on social uh, media. You shouldn't be fucking doing it. I agree like, with that part, too. Like, this is like a, a parent's nightmare. Why you, yeah. you scared to even pick babysitters, period. Yeah. I mean, maybe the, maybe the kid was just acting erratic and they were trying to calm the child down. Nah. <laughs> no. Nah. Uh, I hear you're supposed to shake a baby when they do that. Oh, I thought I would give Smack it a little in the face really hard. What's wrong with you, Jason? Do you really expect anybody here to be like on the side of the babysitter? I didn't expect anyone to be on the side of the babysitter. Right. I'm not even on the side of the babysitter. <laughs> yeah, everybody knows you give kids gummies, dude. Yeah, you don't want them smoking. <laughs> is that what it is? You give them the give them the gummies, huh? Whatever happened to you know? You give kids like, like some hard ass liquor, like back in the day. Mm-hmm. That'll help them sleep. Yeah, give them like yeah. a, like a shot of whiskey or some shit like that. Just rub it on their little gums. Oh, you give them a That's gum shot, huh, Greg? A little whiskey, yeah. A little gummer. Okay, listen, no joke. Actually, <laughs> CBD and a little bit of THCA salve on baby's gums is not a bad thing when they're teething it actually mm-hmm. really helps um but cigarettes giving it to a baby i mean come on this is ridiculous but let's talk for a minute about this teenager coming into someone else's house with this product in their purse i don't know as a mom who has kids who are old enough to babysit and be out there doing their thing like i don't know what's going on with with kids these days and I sound so old saying this I feel old saying this but like my kids have access to cannabis every day and would never walk into someone else's house with it like this is just not this is just more dialogue that needs to happen and, and what the hell with this stupid yeah. babysitter like, whatever's coming her way the hard they, to learn she won't forget yeah, right it, it makes you wonder if they uh if the parents of the kid like like smoked weed like with said babysitter before right what i'm sorry i didn't catch your that. internet is all they're they're shooting your house up right now if the parents let me turn on this clubhouse yeah. shit. If, if, what? if the parents um actually smoked weed with the babysitter before like why were they oh. why did the babysitter even feel so how do you know that the parents smoked weed with the babysitter I'm asking. I'm like, it makes you wonder. That was not in the story. No, I'm willing if to bet. If we're smoking for weed freely in there, it makes me wonder well, if they've smoked, they've smoked weed with the parents before. First of all, first of all the, story, the story references that she was watching her friend's child, and her friend, I believe, said that the mother was 16. Let me, let me go back to the story. So I think I you're right. I think it said the mother was 16 yes. and the person babysitting was 17. Correct. Yes. They probably have smoked weed together. Because you probably felt like, like it's a good idea or some shit. It's they, just they a bunch made, of babies having children. babies. That's right. That is babies having babies. That is for sure. I mean, 
man, like you, you're sitting there and like, what gives you the idea? Like, oh yeah, I'm going to put this lit joint. I mean, I, I wonder if they were, they watched too many episodes of the hangover in Taiwan or something. Uh, just, just bad parenting upon bad parenting and um, you know, kids not being supervised watching infants and that baby should yeah, like a baby should be under some protective custody. But it's, it's not even it's, that they're watching infants; they're watching their child. <laughs> I mean, it's another it's well, another teenager's friend, baby. She's her friend's child. Whatever. The and whole point is that that was just a gross overstep of that girl. It was a gross it's negligence in in really researching their babysitter on the parents' part. And all parents, you know, we hope we do the best that we can, but you know, sometimes you just don't know. You just don't know. And what are you going to do? Ask everybody at the door, please let me look through your purse before you come in my house. Right. Your right. common right, sense this, tells you this is not that this some is random, not going to be an issue. Yeah, this, this is not, not some, some random. babysitter that they picked up. Friends. This is yeah. their friend. They're best friends. Yeah. These are oh, two well, 17-year-old girls. 16 and a 17-year-old. I bet you they're still best friends, Mandy, after this. 100% they, they are. I bet, you, I bet you the mom actually will go and bail her friend out of jail. Nah, uh, she, she I'm, probably I'm not, I'm can't, gonna... doesn't have a someone an adult to go with her with her learner's permit to go get the friend out of jail. It's a sad story, like all around, and it, I just hope that baby's okay. That's all. I yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you on that, Rico. And with yeah. that, we're gonna keep it moving. We're gonna go to the feisty redheaded conservative who loves to argue with Rico. She loves to be proven right, especially when she's not. That's right. It is Gretchen Gailey. I love, I love the vindication, especially when Matthew Saint Germain says he agrees with me. That gets that makes my whole day. So, so yeah, that that definitely is is, is a big mm -hmm. deal that Matthew Saint Germain agreed with you. It means a whole always. lot. Always. Anyway, okay. My headline, hush. My headline this morning is coming from Marijuana Moment. Uh, bipartisan senators file bill to ease restrictions on industrial hemp farmers. A bipartisan pair of U.S. senators have filed a bill to reduce regulations on farmers that grow industrial hemp for non-extraction purposes. Senator John Tester and Mike Braun introduced the Industrial Hemp Act on Thursday, the latest piece of congressional legislation focused on the crop, which was federally legalized under the 2018 Farm Bill. As it stands, hemp and its derivatives like CBD that contain no more than 0.3% THC by dry weight are not controlled substances and regulatory responsibility falls with the U.S. Department of Agriculture. The new bill seeks to create a distinction between industrial hemp that's grown for products like fiber and hemp for any purpose, which would cover crops cultivated to extract cannabinoids like CBD. Farmers that cultivate industrial hemp would no longer be subject to background checks in order to participate in the market, and they would have to fulfill rigorous sampling and testing requirements. Instead, they would simply have to go through an annual visual inspection where they would need to demonstrate that they're growing the crop for a purpose covered under the new industrial hemp definition. If they fail the initial visual review, they would then need to provide documentation demonstrating a clear intent and in-field practices consistent with the designation of industrial hemp. Only if they refuse to do so would regulators then be empowered to physically test harvested plant material. Montana farmers don't need government bureaucrats putting unnecessary burdens on their operations, Tester said in a press release. It's time we cut red tape and make it easier for industrial hemp farmers to get their product to market 
My bipartisan bill builds on Montana's leadership on hemp policy and creates good paying jobs for folks across rural America. Braun added that it's important that we set American farmers up for success by cutting burdensome regulations and red tape. This legislation will expand opportunities for industrial hemp producers in Indiana and across the country and allow them to tap into one of the fastest growing agricultural markets. The measure also preempts states and tribes from enacting requirements on industrial hemp growers that are more stringent than those laid out in the bill. It further provides that anyone who knowingly produces hemp crops that are inconsistent with their designation will be ineligible to participate in the legal hemp industry for a period of five years. This bill's introduction comes as discussions are heating up over the next iteration of the Farm Bill, in which lawmakers will likely try to include provisions to further ease burdens on the hemp market. Stakeholders have backed several standalone measures that tackle this issue so far this Congress. Well, I would say this bill is a terrible idea. Uh, while I appreciate what I think they're trying to do, I think if they want to actually get some change, help farmers, they need to look at this as what it is. Cannabis is all the same damn plant. Stop trying to designate different rules for different uses of the plant. They need to come down to one rule overall for all of it. Make all cannabis a lovely commodity crop grown just like tomatoes, lettuce, any other damn agricultural product in this country and stop treating it like it's a damn boogeyman. This is Gretchen for Hyatt 9 News. I St. Germain, totally do you agree with, with me? Word to that. Mm -hmm. I, I even agree with you on this, Gretchen. Oh, mom and dad are getting along. Unanimous. <laughs> it's unanimous. Wow. Yeah, this, is, this doesn't help. I get what they're trying to do, but they're it doesn't, doesn't help. It's, 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 they're, they're further complicating things, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean... That's all right, we're like, all in agreement. Know, Next. Like, that like that never happens. Right? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that Gretchen? What they like to do is just to, to create more problems, so then that way they can act like they have more solutions. That's a great question, Jason. I had a similar question uh, for Gretchen. If if the answer is so simple as like we all agree, right, and and we do here, from their perspective, what? Why do it that way? Why make? Because it they they don't understand the nuances of the plant. I mean, yeah. they, they would rather, they think they're making it easier because hemp is legal under the farm bill. So in theory, if you, there's a whole lot of gray in the damn farm bill, this bill would not be necessary as is. Uh, to, to signal, it, huh? well, wouldn't you just call it shade instead of gray because of all of the overhang from all the leaves? Jason Beck, I, I got nothing for that, but <laughs> it, it's just not working to, to, to keep trying to put cannabis into so many different lanes yeah. does not help with regulations, does not help with red tape, does not help people understand how they are supposed to move forward with cultivating this crop. I mean, if he wants to push this bullshit, I, I guess push it on the level, the state level in Montana, if it's truly affecting Montana hemp growers so much, uh, take this to a state lawmaker and get a pass there. See if that helps. I mean, what 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 do you think about this on-site visit, though? What are you talking about? The on-site visit, that they basically, you have an on-site visit if you want to be deemed compliant. You have but who the hell is going to inspect it? Right. Who, who from the USDA is coming out to visually inspect your cannabis to make sure this is cannabis, not hemp? 
And maybe you'll have, maybe have a portal me? and you'll just upload a photo. Well, that's not what a, va- a visual inspection would be. That would be a visual inspection, technically. <laughs> you Please upload it, you a photo of yourself inspector. smoking this and not getting high to prove it's hemp. Yeah. So it's inspector on signal. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. I don't see this going anywhere. You don't see it going anywhere? Hell no. I mean, maybe they try and stick this into the farm bill, but I think that's that. just going to create more confusion. Farm bill disaster. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to go to a commercial. We're going to be right back. Let's do it. Yes. Keeping up to date on the evolving policies of relevant state, local, and federal governments is key to success. When the future of your business is at stake, you need representation as dedicated as you are. With a maze of laws and regulations surrounding cannabis, hemp, and psychedelics, knowing where to begin can be a challenge. Good thing the law offices of Omar Figueroa features a skilled, highly focused team ready to guide you through it all. They're accepting new clients in California and New York. So make sure you check them out at info at omarfigueroa.com. Uh. Yeah, coming up next. That's right. It is the, the count himself. Opinions. He's been around and traveled more moons. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. My bad. My bad. Sorry. <laughs> I'm, I apologize. Damn, okay. <laughs> my bad. Bro. The thoughts, opinions, and shade thrown in a high nine news are those of Jason Beck and not any of the other individual speakers in the, <laughs> or its following. The statements made did not constitute legal or accounting advice, and our speakers make no representation regarding legal status of any substance in any country, area, or territory, or any of, any of its authorities. The views expressed in this room do not establish any fiduciary responsibility or relationship. Our sponsors do not imply or constitute any endorsement by us or expression of any opinion what's the part of any speaker on. So if you are an easily offended person i don't know pray about it control tower from highly educated has perfected the dab utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation you can waste none of it and taste all of it the micro texture of the se pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures and with the tower propelling at 2600 rpms it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date the control tower from highly educated that porno music gets me every time man oh man there we go yeah you know it's porno music all music is porno music i mean keith sweat was <laughs> Uh, but yeah, coming up next, that's right. We have the Count himself. He's been around for more moons than most people on this planet. You should definitely Google him and check him out. He's a cannabis wizard, and he's also a fellow flower Emerald Cup judge. And we just got done judging a whole bunch of weed this weekend. That's right. It is the immortal Count himself, Matthew St. Germain. <laughs> Thank you, Jason. Hi, everybody. I'm coming to you from this gigantic Chai Z nug today with a great story. Workers at two more cannabis companies are unionizing with the Teamsters and the United Farm Workers uh, Union, the UFCW. Nearly 100 drivers and warehouse workers at Grass Door, one of the largest cannabis delivery platforms in California, joined Teamsters Local 2785 
uniting them with more than 300 of their union brothers and sisters at the company's Southern California location, who affiliated with the Teamsters in January. Kerry Qualls and Alexander Torres are drivers for Grassdoor in Brisbane. And they say, why do I think it's important for cannabis workers to unionize? Well, grocery stores are union. Construction workers are union. Everyone else can unionize, so why not us? There's certain things I want that we don't get. Paid vacation, paid time off. And I think by joining the Teamsters, we can negotiate to get those things, Torres said. The Teamsters are great. If something at work comes up, comes around and it's not your liking, they'll be there to back you up. Teamsters have been active in the cannabis industry in the past year, uh, including unionizing bud tenders at Captain Jack's in San Bernardino, California in February. Uh, miscellaneous employees, Teamster Local eight, uh, 987 won an unfair labor practice complaint filed against SNDL Incorporated, formerly Sundial Growers Incorporated, at the Alberta uh, Labor Relations Board in Canada. In late November, Teamsters Local 777 helped organize an unfair labor practice strike outside Revolution Global's Enlightened Dispensary in beautiful Schaumburg, Illinois. United uh, Food and Commercial Workers Local 360 announced a decision by workers at Valley Wellness in Raritan, New Jersey, to unionize as members of UFCW. Oh, so that was food and commercial workers, not farm workers. As Valley Wellness notes on its website, providing great products starts with a great foundation. That means employing a knowledgeable staff and providing a welcoming environment. According to Valley Wellness, its staff knows cannabis inside and out and is noted as a key driver of customer satisfaction and ultimately the company's current future and success. Valley Wellness and its owner, <clears throat> Sarah Trent, has already proven to be a great addition to the growing New Jersey cannabis community, stated Hugh Giordano, UFCW Local 360's director of organizing. We're looking forward to a long and mutually beneficial relationship with what is one of the first standalone dispensary operators in the state, a company that provides a refreshing alternative to the large number of multi-state operators here. UFCW's recent activities in the cannabis industry include employees at Cura Leaf's Edgewater, New Jersey dispensary voted to organize as members in October and workers at True Leave North Shore Medical Cannabis dispensary voted to join local 1776 in September as well. And uh, I'm excited about this. I know there's a lot of up and down about people back and forth about the unions, but I think it's important that we all should remember the union is why there's no child labor. Union is why there's a five day work week instead of a seven day work week. Uh, unions are why the, the workday stops at eight hours and you start to get paid time and a half and double. And I know friends who are in different trades and are teachers and those unions make sure that they have retirement benefits. They have um, sick leave. They get paid better. They're really looked after and they do have to pay a little bit every month. But for that month, that that bit they pay, they're they're taken care of for their the entirety of their life. And the, so I'm, I'm really interested to hear, especially what Jason and Gretchen have to say about unionization coming to the cannabis industry. But everybody pile on. Well, I'm just waiting for my union yeah. rep before I respond to this question. Saint <laughs> uh, Germain, I have I have zero problems with unions. Uh, I come. My mother was a public school teacher, and she awesome. would tell me all the time the unions who put food on this table. Um, so I have zero problems with unions. Frankly, I think that helps to break down the stigma of cannabis. Unions is something that lawmakers understand. I think this helps to make us look more legitimate, and that we are willing to come together for good work practices for our, our laborers. So I'm all for unions getting into the space. It's a total sham. Well, there you go. Yeah. Please elaborate, yeah. Jason Beck. Come on, Jason. For all the, especially the top three reasons that Matthew said at first is the reason why I'm not a fan of unions. Now I do, I will say this, I will say this is that unions are somewhat of a necessary evil that some industries need. Mm -hmm. Okay, like cannabis. Yep. Like big cannabis. 
you know, the thing I like about unions is it, it for me, a big reason why I was in the cannabis and psychedelic economy is because instead of two guys at the top getting to go to the Maldives, you know, three times a year and everybody else getting a green shirt, a name tag, minimum wage and nothing. Cannabis was an area, at least, in, you know, in, in my scene and, and particular people scenes that I really, you know, floated with where everybody was getting an equitable shake. We ran it more like a pirate ship where the captain gets two shares, everybody else gets one share. And, you know, I was paying my trimmers, even when people were paying their trimmers 120 bucks, I was paying my trimmers 200 bucks plus food, smoking mad weed with them. Armate. And the cool thing for me was instead of just me making a ton of money and, you know, fuck everybody else who was helping me realize my dreams, I had friends who were able to make clothing lines and I had friends who were able to make art or music and were able to actually yeah. contribute to the culture of humanity because they had free time and enough money. And so for me, any move that that allows the a more equitable sharing of of the proceeds of everyone's labor is is a good step in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, the, the, the thing is, is like when you get these unions that are like like all or nothing kind of thing and they're not willing to compromise it, that just creates a real real glut in the workforce i know just out here in los angeles there was a big teachers union strike and there was a bunch of kids that weren't being able to go to school right and all because of the teachers unions and and the who the teachers unions were negotiated with let's just say they wanted 30 they offered them 27 but they wouldn't take the 27 they're like, no, it's we're just going to keep on striking and da-da-da-da-da until we get I think if we're going to have an argument we're about LA teachers unions, age. we should really talk about rent prices in Los Angeles. I wasn't having gas a, an argument about, yeah. about, about LA teachers unions. I was using well, that as an example. I was that's, not. that's called an argument. So you, yeah. No, that's not an argument. I was using them as my example. It was a terrible example. You're a perfect example. I, I don't think it is. Yeah, you're crazy. What are you talking about? It's a garbage example. Dad, you got to take the dogs for a walk. Everybody's mad at you. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> yeah, I'll be mad all you want. I, I do. Well, is. if we look at the chat, we got Nick Radley saying here that the state shouldn't be requiring companies with more than five employees to have a labor peace agreement. That's excessive. I mean, that makes sense. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. How, what's an acceptable uh, number? Yeah, Maybe 25. I just, I just think 25. Yeah, I just think it's. It, it it depends on the industry and then like and the disparaging you know like the, the gap of wealth there um, for the work that they do. Also too, like also too, this also uh, by 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 with those statues for people that don't want to be in unions, it just makes them diversify all of their companies up that much more and divide this division into this company and that division of that company. So that way they're never employing more than the threshold. And I would say that forcing those types of things actually hampers job growth because people don't want to imply, uh, employ more than that threshold just for those reasons. So it sounds like the problem is unethical business owners and they're yeah. playing games that's with the current system. That's not unethical. In order that's how you want to run your business. If people want to run their business that way, they have the choice. If you don't want to it's work. It's unethical. I think we need to start going work. in on definitions of words, right? It's not immoral, but it is unethical. There's, if you're I'm trying to. That. Yeah, if you're trying to literally like play not a unethical. shell game with your assets and lie to the government. not unethical. I think it is. No, that's fake news. <laughs> I'm going to my room, Dad. I've had enough of this. Jason Beck has spoken, guys. Yeah, just, I'm just yeah, keeping I, it real. I, just, yeah, I just think it, I think it all depends, man. It just all depends on the line of work. And I mean, is it a franchise? Absolutely. You know, like, is it just a brand uh, is it, or is it a franchise company? Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think I don't think unions belong everywhere. But um, when it when you can be taken advantage of and um, you can be exploited. And you don't really have uh, the, the proper means to support yourself. 
like you gotta you gotta have a union to take care of you man oh god cry me a river you guys uh, we're gonna go to commercial we're gonna be back <laughs> wah, wah, wah. <laughs> Jason. him back this norcal dope dad extraordinaire is a former police officer traded in his gun and his badge for a blunt and a notepad came in there joined the fucking team and is always bringing the heat monday mornings my man chris egger what do you have for us today my brother Yo, good morning good morning good to see everybody uh lively debate this monday really appreciating it and uh just great to see everybody my article today comes out of uh, Monterey Salinas. Two barrier men were arrested for cannabis factory break-in. Police issue warning is the headline. Two Bay Area men were arrested in connection with a break-in in Greenfield Cannabis Cultivation Facility and are now uh, part of a police investigation to see whether the pair was connected to a string of cannabis burglaries stretching from the Central Coast to the Bay Area. Uh, as we're all aware, this issue has become uh, increasingly problematic uh, and we're seeing more of these types of reports um, in the media I think it's good that we're talking about it. Um, according to Sergeant uh, Justin Matkey with Greenfield Police, he said, quote, we're working around with other agencies like Santa Cruz, Salinas, Oakland, all the way up to the Bay Area, which Oakland's the Bay Area, um, Sarge, uh, and Stockton. We're just trying to connect the pieces of the puzzle and see how they're related and if they connect in different ways. Um, there was 12 men who tried to burglarize a cultivation site on the Thousand Block of Cherry Ave in Santa Cruz. And they said, they're just trying to put the pieces together uh, of this puzzle. After the Santa Cruz break-in, police issued a warning to other cannabis businesses. Um, police now, according to this article, are trying to link these folks to other burglaries in the area, uh, all the way up to the barrier north uh, using cell phones. So uh, they're basically telling us in this article how their investigation is, uh, is going and how they're trying to connect these dots. Um, they're asking that, and, and this is why I wanted to share this article, um, the sergeant said, quote, giving their security guards a little more training to what to look for and hiring more security guards is one of the suggestions they're making. The reason I bring that up is um, there's a recent article in, in SF Gate uh, and a bunch of Bay Area publications of the Oakland Chinatown. Um, I know this is not specifically cannabis related, but Oakland Chinatown business is being burglarized. Uh, and they're having a lot of issues. So it's not just cannabis businesses, but it is cannabis businesses and it's causing businesses to uh, struggle financially to recover from from these acts. Um, and then in response to that, Oakland Chinatown District doubled the private patrol vendor that they hired. So, you know, these solutions are uh, multifaceted. They're multi-layered. Throwing security guards at the problem is not going to fix the problem. It's just going to waste more money. Um, and I wanted to share that today because this problem is uh, increasing in the Bay Area and I'll be following it more closely. Uh, thanks again for having me back on this Monday morning. I miss you guys. Chris, so this these guys, you're saying that they've made a major discovery and a development that could hamper this crime ring that has been plaguing Oakland and San Francisco and the Bay Area. I don't think it's one crime ring, uh, in my personal opinion. Obviously, I've got, you know. Is this, your, is this from your law enforcement background, your expert opinion, what you're quoting here? 
Are you putting your um, cop hat on for this opinion? Say, yeah, def- definitely. And also just, you know, looking at, uh, you know, other various folks that we're helping out, right? And, mm-hmm. and stuff that we have access to and, and seeing, you know, vehicles and people and, you know, times. I mean, some of these crews are hitting at the same time, right? There is obviously crews that are hitting multiple facilities and that's their MO. Um, but this problem is is quite large. You know, it's not just the Bay Area. It's all the way up in, you know, it's everywhere. I mean, Sacramento, um, Reno, I mean, name it. Every, every area that has cannabis businesses is, is, is going through this right now. So I don't think it's, it comes down to just one, one crew. Our friend and fellow judge Reese got hit her uh, posh greens in San Francisco. got hit the day before uh, Friday. Yeah. Friday. She was bombing dude. And I have a lot of friends, uh, SOG army, SOG army, um, phenotopia, like tons of places in the North Bay have been getting hit too. And uh, it's just, I just think it's time that they, the, the state of California stops publicly listing everybody's license on the website. Cause it's literally, it just gives you like, yes. it just gives you the criminal roll call. It's like, cool, like let's go check book. all these yeah. addresses and yeah. see who's the got doc, the most back security. You. you know, I'd also add this, right? Like, I, I think there's a lot of grant dollars being released um, to the municipalities who then control those grant dollars. And it, it's really frustrating to see because we're helping a, a, a couple folks out. Some of these grant dollars are specific to social equity. So we've donated some time to help folks navigate that process. And that process is extremely hard to get that money. Um, I think it really part of this solution is falling on the municipalities to be responsible about the grant dollars that are being released so that they go to operators in a way that actually affects change and can actually help circumvent and, and deal with this issue. Um, it, I don't want to see this money get wasted. There's a lot of really good operators that are struggling and looking for answers. And obviously the, the, the entity they can reach out and touch is their local municipality. But I, in my opinion, a lot of these municipalities are being very irresponsible with how they're spending this money. They're looking at, you know, status quo, old school ways, throwing it at security guards, throwing it at more police overtime. You know, we need to start thinking outside the box and really start thinking about how we can how we can solve this problem. You know, we're, we're dealing with it on the micro with our growing client base and having success. But, you know, there, there's opportunities to utilize grant dollars in a, be- in a better way, in our opinion fascinating fascinating stuff well i'm hope they are they are able to get these crooks off the street and stop terrorizing all these cannabis businesses because you know it is real easy for these people to resell a lot of this product after they uh it's it's in high demand it's easy to mail i mean there's just a lot of a lot of problems with this all the way around yep and i think a lot of people point to you know safe banking that comes up we get that question a lot In, in our experience folks are after the product first and the money second um that's why facilities that you know don't have a ton of cash laying around you think they're the- you think they're you think they're after the product first really uh, i yeah absolutely absolutely i don't i don't i don't, it, I don't buy that i don't buy that well i'm just, i'm my opinion <laughs> is just don't. on on you know um looking at looking at footage of, of burglaries and where people are actually targeting right well, uh, well, well my, think- my my thought of it is this is this this is this is the thing this is cash is always your number one thing if you're going in to rob a place now the cash may not be in, a, in the most accessible place and the product happens to be. So it's a lot easier to just steal the product. So therefore it could give you the impression that their number one thing that they're after is the product. But the reality of it is they still have to sell that to get cash as opposed to cash. They just take it. They can turn that into whatever they want. So right. I'm sticking with that. Their number one motivation thing is, is cash. But since weed is easy to sell, that makes it easy to steal. Jason back with the pro spin. I like it. I like it. It's always good. It's always good to have a good JB response, right? Just, just, just some truth in there. You know what I mean? That's all. 
Just a little bit of truth. Oh my God. We, we got to get you a turnbuckle behind you so you can go off the turnbuckle on people, bro. Stop all over the place. Stop it, but continue on that, please, Chris. That was all I wanted to share. I appreciate your dialogue back and forth. Um, that was it. But it's, it's, a, it's, again, you know, I, I kind of want to pick on the municipalities. I think that, you know, the, the state's giving a lot of grant dollars. I mean, we're talking like a lot of money. Um, and I think it's a, it's imperative that they're responsible and make sure that the end user, the operator, the business owner, the person who struggled to, you know, enter this industry and wants to thrive that, that, you know, they're helping them do that. Um, uh, because businesses are leaving munis specific municipalities because of this issue specifically. Yeah, let's just say, let's just say you were in charge of those grant dollars to be spent, Chris, how would you, how would you say that they needed to be spent first of how they're not currently being allocated? Um, I would say starting, that's two, two quick answers for you. One is starting with the discovery process to really understand the depth of the problem. Mm -hmm. Um, and then secondly, I would, I think a phased approach is best. You know, there's not one, there's not one piece of the pie within a security solution that's going to make up, you know, the answer here. It's going to be a multi-layered, multifaceted phased approach. Um, but I think that that needs to be done, uh, with a public private partnership. Um, so that folks can be held accountable. It's, it's too hard to hold municipalities and law enforcement accountable. I don't think that money needs to be going directly to one piece of the pie, but an overall solution. Should turn the, you should turn these dispensary parking lots into squid game. You know, it's really interesting to me how much money is required to put in these security systems and all these licensed businesses. But then when actual crime is happening against these business operators, it seems to me, my well, my experience actually has been that police are incredibly slow to respond. And I'm just like, if the footage that we have on our, our cameras is really all we have to help catch these people and the police are super unresponsive, it's like the amount of money that we're pouring into this seems like there needs to be a, a, a bridge built between the businesses and their local law enforcement in order to build some kind of relationship and attachment and getting them to look out for you and be more responsive when things go down. There's so many operators out there that have mentioned that they've called the police and the police literally say, we're not coming, period. I mean, right. and that's I why it's super important to, to have, you know, there's, I don't want to bogart this conversation or spend too much time on it, but there's technology out there that allows um, to remove that barrier away from law enforcement, meaning, you know, that reactive approach. There's opportunities out there that uh, we've utilized with various clients to get law enforcement there very quickly. You know, there's various proactive video monitoring solutions, et cetera, et cetera. But there's evolving technologies that are much more cost effective than guards that allow for uh, quicker police response times. And I totally agree with you, Mandy, but it's- We're going to start sending out RoboCop, AI RoboCop. <laughs> that would be a dope. <laughs> telling you all right so I have, I have a question for you for mandy and kind of even possibly for chris do you think that some of the reason that law enforcement doesn't really react so fast to cannabis businesses is because a lot of uh cannabis businesses support defunding the police and 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 therefore there's a low morale amongst law enforcement to protect people that don't support them I don't know that I'm going to go that far. Okay. Go ahead, Chris. Go ahead. Yeah, Chris. I, there's absolutely a stigma. I don't know for that specific reason, but there is a stigma against cannabis businesses. I've shared this before, but right before I left law enforcement, I was a footbeat officer on Market Street and a new dispensary had opened up. Um, 
head nodded the manager. They invited me in, shook their hands, gave my business card and said, hey, if you need anything, this is kind of where I post up. They're, they're a regular business in my mind. And I wanted to be supportive. They were cool. I was cool. And that was that. Um, you know, I thought that was doing a pretty good job that day, right, to that to that citizen and that business owner. As I leave the store, my sergeant's in the middle of Market Street in his cop car and he weighs me over and he says, don't go into those places. And I said, no, <laughs> if that's how you feel, put that in an email, something that I can hold up and document that says, you want me to stay out of this tax paying business because the day after Thanksgiving, you're going to send me over to stand in front of Gap, another retail yeah. location. So absolutely, there's a stigma within law enforcement. What, what I think, think law enforcement also struggles with finding where their place is with us, right? Historically, we've been the mm -hmm. enemy. And now there's this massive brain shift and transition that officers and their bosses and authority figures are having to adopt. And many of them don't want to adopt it. I don't disagree it's with like you, but I, I, I throat. sorry to interrupt, Mandy. Now, I don't disagree. No, you're I don't disagree with you. I disagree that that's that it should be the case. It, it, you know, sure. something was illegal. Now it's legal. Law enforcement's job is not to decide if the laws are good or bad. That is you know, what they bad. always used to say is I don't write the laws. If you want to, but it's it. a thought process, right? It's a training. It's a conditioning that's been in your head. Law enforcement, military, they're very highly conditioned employees. Right. Right. Yeah. I don't disagree with that either, but I also think that, you know, law enforcement should be able to flip a switch. I mean, like, I feel like I'm a regular dude, you know, like, and I was a cop for a very long time in, in, you know, some pretty interesting jurisdictions. If something was illegal and now it's legal, it's like, okay, cool. I mean, possession of crack rock was a felony. You go to jail for one little rock at one point in my law enforcement career. Toward the end of my law enforcement career, it was a ticket. To me, I didn't, I didn't struggle with that change. I didn't like struggle with not putting handcuffs. I'm like, okay, if that's the rule now, then, and I come across it, then I guess here's your ticket, man. Like, I didn't have a problem with it. That's not my job. You know, and it's just not, not everybody's as cool as you, Chris. Uh, Chris, do, do you think uh, what if if anything can help bridge that gap can help uh, find that, that that common ground between, you know, smokers of the herb and enforcers of the law? I think uh, it comes down to holding law enforcement accountable for what we need them to do. And it's very simple. In this specific instance, we need law enforcement to respond to calls for service in a timely manner. We need them to follow up with investigations. We need to be have them be transparent about their investigations. We need to have them uh, be open and, and honest about whether they're investigating things or not. Uh, we know in a lot of jurisdictions, these, you know, someone's facility gets absolutely destroyed and they lose just a ton of money and a ton of product. And there's really no response from law enforcement on a follow up investigation. So, um, you know, law enforcement forces are across California, especially in the Bay Area, struggling for bodies. But in addition to that, the, the bar has has lowered, in my opinion, because they're struggling to fill academies. So, you know, this is a very long conversation and a lot of moving parts here. But um, I would say very simply that we need them to respond to calls for service in a timely manner. A hundred percent. And I just want to give a shout out to whatever cops or detectives have uh, think that they're going to crack this case on these burglary guys. So we shall see. But coming up next, that's right. She's a mom. She's a cannabis executive, and she loves to show the world how being a mom and a cannabis executive can go hand in hand with a little bit of swag. That's right. It is the, the Mandy Tingler. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Today's article is short and sweet, but it's full of good news for our friends out in Texas. It says a bill would allow Texas physicians to prescribe medical cannabis. 
Texas lawmakers drafted a bill that would allow physicians to prescribe medicinal cannabis for patients battling chronic pain instead of opioid prescriptions. HB 1805, authored by Republican Stephanie Click in Tarrant County, was approved by the House Public Health Committee with a 10-0 vote on Monday, March 20th. The bill allows the Department of State Health Services to identify medical conditions that would qualify patients for the program. The bill expands the conditions for patients to qualify for prescription of low THC medical cannabis, including a condition that causes chronic pain for which a physician would, quote, otherwise prescribe an opioid. If passed, the bill will take effect September 1st. The Compassionate Use Program, or CUP, in 2015, which allowed for the first legal use of low THC cannabis products in the state, <clears throat> was according to the Texas State Law Library, was originally solely for patients with intractable epilepsy, but was later expanded to include other conditions in 2019 and 2001 by the Texas legislator to be more inclusive. The program is available now for patients with medical conditions such as epilepsy, autism, cancer, multiple sclerosis, post-traumatic stress disorder, etc. Information on Texas medical marijuana on texas.gov says that low THC comes from a plant called cannabis sativa L, part of the plant that makes up a maximum of 0.05% by weight of the THC are considered low THC. Medical use of the plant is limited to swallowing a prescribed dose, not smoking it. Patients can be prescribed low THC if they are permanent residents of Texas, has one of the listed medical conditions, is a CUP registered physician, and their physician decides that the, that the benefit of the prescription outweighs the risk. According to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, there were over 106,000 drug-involved overdose deaths in 2021 in the U.S., this includes both illicit and prescription drugs. Deaths involving drug overdose from prescription drugs, drugs rose from 3,442 in 99 to 17,029 in 2017, said one, one report. Between 2017 and 2019, the number of deaths increased to 14,139, <clears throat> but increased to 16,416 in 2020. By 2021, the number of deaths slightly increased to over 16,707, 7, excuse it, just a lot, <laughs> 16,000 plus. Although medical marijuana is legal in the state of Texas, it's still very limited, but recreational mar marijuana is banned outside of some products with synthetic forms of THC, which is the part that gives the high. According to a study at the University of Houston, out of 1,200 adults, four out of five adults surveyed said they would support an expanded medical marijuana program. They also said it would be in favor of decriminalizing marijuana possession, and two-thirds of them said that they would support legalizing recreational adult use, according to the Austin Bureau writer Edward McKinley. Guys, this is very exciting news coming out of Texas. Personally, I always thought Texas would be a big-time sleeper state and be way behind. They're only halfway behind the rest of the country. But talk about exciting that doctors can start writing prescriptions if this passes. This is huge news. And I also love the fact that they have a start date of September 1st, and they're not pushing it out two or three years from now. This is Mandy at High at Nine. What you think? And Mandy, this was introduced by a Republican, right? Mm, sure was. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's right, you guys.
Oh Just my God. Saying. Just saying. He was introduced by a human being. Just saying. <laughs> Can you imagine, though, a day where you walk into your doctor's That's office right. and instead of being written a prescription for whatever, they finally have enough education and permission to write a prescription for a medication that's less invasive. Can you imagine that day? I'm so excited for that. I feel like we'll see if the lieutenant governor kills this or whatnot. So, so, uh, I don't know. It was a unanimous vote approving it. We'll see. Without, without, without without pushing the conversation into a death spiral of of chaos, is it actually going to be a prescription? Yeah. Yeah. Well, hold on. You know, it's funny because we do have Dr. Felicia from the clubhouse audience on this and, was wondering if you can help shed some light on that, Dr. Felicia. They're calling it a prescription, but is it going to have the same rights as a real prescription federally? I don't. Uh, hey, everybody. I don't know that, that it's going to be a prescription, but I do. What I did come up to say was that overdoses and suicide has now become the number one cause for maternal mortality. And so some of these laws that are trying to restrict cannabis to pregnant women need to be rethought because our current medical model is failing our mothers. And this is only data from through 2019. If you add the pandemic in there, I'm sure this number is going to be worse. So overdose and suicide has now superseded hemorrhage, stroke, heart disease, um, infections as the number one cause of death in pregnant women and women who have just delivered in the immediate postpartum period. So I just want to throw that out there because you hear all about, you have a lot of uh, coverage about cannabis is bad in pregnancy, but nobody's talking about the fact that overdose and suicide is now the number one cause that's killing mothers. Wow. I I did not know that Dr. Felicia. And I love the new picture of you. It looks fantastic. You know, Dr. Felicia, I'm so glad that you actually brought that specific topic up about mothers because at Cannamommy, we actually have, an entire support group for moms who have just had babies and are looking to help ward off postpartum depression and anxiety symptomology. Um, It's definitely a topic that's worthy of exploring. I know this isn't really the platform, but it's definitely a thing to talk about. So if you are a mom out there and you're listening, there is cannamommy.org. We are here for you. Just holler. We will definitely help you. Yes. Oh, my. Gretchen, what do you think about this, Gretchen? I, I'm not as optimistic as Mandy. I don't think it's going to go very far in Texas. You think the lieutenant governor is going to kill it? Yeah, I, I don't think it has a chance in hell. <laughs> At all. Not a chance. You think, you think it's more, more Greg Abbott or um, who's, who's no, the it's attorney Dan Texas is chance to lead the charge. The I think the lieutenant governor's name is Dan Patrick, if I recall correctly. Uh, Texas has not led the charge in anything. And I know. They're not going to start now. I know. Don't tell that to the University of Texas. Yeah. Because they lead the charge. Okay. You ain't first, you're last, oh, Texas. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. Well, Go Texas, Go. Texas, Texas. I love me some Texas, but I can't stand some Dan Patrick always blocking the good man's herb. But uh, we are at the top of the hour, everybody. Thank you for hanging out with us another another one hour of love the love fest for all you fucking haters out there there. (laughs) thank you for watching another episode of
nine news and uh, you can catch us weekdays at 9 high noon on the east coast big shout out to the live audience members and online supporters giving us feedback on the daily health chaos known as the developing cannabis industry to our vetted industry correspondent team from all over the global community bringing us variety of perspective and cherries and berries behind you man i hear some cops and adding to your expertise in our conversations uh the high nine production team cloud media partners house of fuego and big love out to jaja simone she's at the uh she's actually at the doctor this uh she's gonna have a a, a, a big surgery coming up so send some love and prayers out her way uh but she usually is out there holding things down in, in clubhouse i hope they were okay today but um to the haters get a job Finally, Cannabis Sativa L, the reason why we show up every day, nothing but love and affection for you. It is Monday, March 27th, 2023. The show is over and you've been blessed with today's top industry headlines. We hope it was enough to put in your pipe and smoke it at least until tomorrow. Chris Eggers, you got the outro today, man. What you got? You got a message for the people? Have a blessed day. That's it. That's there all you have. Praise Jesus.